Thanks for joining us on the Crenshaw Christian Center New York podcast. And remember these words, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's jump into the lesson. series on the story of heaven and uh, last week we had a really good time we had wonderful discussion time and you guys were the absolute best because you actually contributed in that discussion and I really really appreciate that it makes it so much more interesting because all of us get to share and everyone has a story to tell and, and all of you are so wise that we all can glean something from one another so I really appreciate that so what we're going to do is we have another video, but I'll be very frank with you. I don't even think we're going to get to the video because there's so many other things that the Lord has placed upon my heart to share that we might not get to that until the next time we're together. But that's okay because we've got all kinds of wonderful things to discuss tonight. What I want you to do is turn with me in your Bibles to John's Gospel, the 11th chapter. And we're going to look at verses 17 through 27. That's John 11, verses 17 through 27. And when you get there, I want you to just say amen so I know that you're there. Okay, so I got one amen, so that's good. And I'm going to share it with you tonight out of the Message Bible. And it says, when Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus already four days dead. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only a couple of miles away, and many of the Jews were visiting Martha and Mary, sympathizing with them over their brother. Martha heard Jesus was coming and went out to meet him. Martha remained, Mary rather, remained in the house. Martha said, Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. <clears throat> Even now, I know that whatever you ask God, he will give you. Jesus said, your brother will be raised up. Martha replied, I know that he will be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. You don't have to wait for the end. I am, right now, resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? Yes, Master. All along I have believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. So, we know the whole story about Lazarus. We know how Jesus was there and Jesus did raise him from the dead. My question to you is, if we believe these words of Jesus, how should our assurance of eternal life impact the way that we live right now today? In other words, as a believer, you know that you are assured of eternal life. That's, that's part of our benefits package. We know that. How does that have an impact on how you live day to day? Okay, now this is when you're supposed to answer me <laughs> and, and give me some idea. I mean, you can think about it. I mean, I know it's probably a challenging maybe question. Yes. People do watch what we do, and it's sort of like sometimes we're 
considered the only Bible people will ever read. Yes. That's true. It makes her thankful. I agree with that. I think that that's very good. Because the thing that we can always be mindful of is that what Jesus did with his own grave in the sense that he didn't have to stay there, he was resurrected, he promised us to do what? The same exact thing for us. And I think that that's always wonderful. So when we're really assured of Jesus' resurrection and confident that heaven is our promise, it's something that is promised to us, everything really changes with how you live your life. When you really stop to think about it, I mean, we don't really think about it that much. That's why we're doing this series, okay? We need to because it, it totally changes how we live our lives, or it should. Um, what transformation have you experienced so this I want you to think about. What transformation have you experienced in one of these areas as you have grown more and more confident that the final chapter of your life really is just the beginning? It's just a preface to your eternity with God. Now I'm going to give you some ideas. How do you view this life with the way you invest your time? Because see, okay, I'm going to do it this way. Once we become born again, and spirit-filled, because I believe that everybody here should know that you should be spirit-filled, not just born again. Your life is no longer your own, because you have been what? Bought and paid for with the price, that price being the blood of Jesus. So you really should no longer live your life, you know, like just doing what you feel like doing. I mean, you can do that, and there's several Christians all over the world who do that. But they're not what we would consider really successful Christians because they, they don't ever reach the potential or fulfill the purpose that God called them to do because they're doing it their way instead of doing it his way. So if you keep that in mind, okay, keeping it and looking at it that way, how do you invest your time with your life? Now, you may, it could be a rhetorical question. You don't really have to give me an answer to that. But if you're a person who takes notes, jot that down. Because I want you to start being more mindful of how you do invest your time. If you notice, whenever I have an opening prayer, I always thank the Lord for those who have come who have given of their life because they've given of their time. Because the last five minutes, we can never get that back. Which means that's a portion of your life that you've given up or you forfeited to be here. So I think it's a wonderful thing because we're learning something by being here. But we need to start paying attention to how are we investing our time? You know, are we spending more time checking our email than we really need to? Because once you start checking your email, then, you know, because now the internet is such where they have little banners and then you start seeing what they have on sale at Saks Fifth Avenue and then, oh, those cute little shoes I see at Macy's. How do they know I like those? And they just show up on the screen and you can take something that you think should have caught maybe been 15 minutes of your time that then you got to go to Macy's site and you got to check out Saxon Avenue. Then you find out they're going to have a sale for Labor Day. Then you start, oh, I got to go to retail me or not. I'm serious. You can take a 15-minute window and turn it into an hour and a half and not necessarily realize it. But how did that investment of time, really, what did you get out of that? Okay? Or even some of the shows we may look at on TV that are kind of cute and, you know, then you want to see the next one and then you get caught up because if it's a series, then you got to see what's coming on the following week. I think you get my drift, okay? Here's another thing. How do we share God's 
God's love and the message of grace that he provides with other people, just on a regular basis. Not where you're just trying to, I gotta lead them to Christ, I gotta get them to, because that may not happen in a particular conversation. But in your general conversation, general conversation you have with your children, general conversation you have with your spouse, it's not beating them over the head with the word, but does the word come out in your conversation? Are you applying the word? See, the thing is, we know we come here, we come to Bible study, we come to church, we learn stuff, but how are we taking what we're learning and sitting and literally applying to everything that we do so that when we have conversation, it's coming out. It's just flowing because out of the issues that you have in your heart, they're going to come out. So that's the key, yes. That is true. That is true. Okay, and you share that. That's a wonderful thing. That is a wonderful thing. Here's another thing. How do you use your resources? So obviously that's going to be whatever you have available to you, including money, because it's resources. And how do you view material things? Now, all of us have been privy to different people who have opinions where they're constantly telling us how we have to get more stuff. We've all heard that before, okay? But when you really are considering the fact that you are children of the Most High God, he's already provided for you everything that you ever will need. He's already told you that. But how, what is your relationship like when it comes to how many more things you want to get? questions, they're rhetorical, you don't have to answer me, but again, jot them down because I really want you to start thinking about it. You know, it's like, how many cars can you drive? But okay, you're in the city, maybe you don't have a lot of cars, but ladies, we have shoes. How many pair of shoes do we really need? Okay, we got to start thinking about it. The resources. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> I love to shop, so I, I could really talk about this. Okay, because I have to, I have to put myself on check, okay? Maybe not so much with shoes anymore because, you know, I'm getting older and I don't feel like wearing these little five and six inch heels anymore and, you know, the other shoes are just okay. But I have things where I have to say, that's it, enough, okay? Because I can go overboard. I know that I can, okay? But the question is, and the thing that kind of reigns me is, is reigns me in is when I sit and say, okay, you just went and you bought another diamond. How nice is that? It's a beautiful thing, but who did it lead to the kingdom? Or how did it support the kingdom because you have something else sparkly that you get to wear? Now that can really get to you. That's why I'm sharing it with you. Because sometimes we get caught up and we don't really even think about it. We just go on with whatever it is. You know, it could be shoes or clothes or whatever. Yes. Mm -hmm. She was like, 
sacrificial death of Jesus and what happened when he went to that cross for you. Meaning, it covers so many different things. That in itself can be a study. But one of the things that I really can appreciate, because a lot of times people are affected uh, when it comes to finances. When those nails went through his hands and the blood poured out of his hands, that happened so that you don't ever, as a believer, have to be broke another day in your life. The provision was made for you when that happened. You need to understand that and be mindful of that. And you need to spend some time thanking him for that. You know, we are always going to the Lord with all the stuff we want. We're good for that. You know, and oh Lord, please do this, and oh yeah, thank you, but please do this. Please. If you were to sit and look at your prayer life and look at how often you go to the Father and ask for things, opposed to how often you go to the Father to just thank him, you would be embarrassed because you are asking, which is why the prayer petition, everybody seems to know that. Whereas the prayer of thanksgiving somewhere is like, yes, there. We like thank him at the end and we think we've done something or we thank him with a line in the beginning. How often do you just go and do nothing but enter into the throne room to praise and worship and thank the Lord? Put a check mark there because you might find it's not as often as you think. Of course, we're going to pray for people that we love and people that we care about and especially those people who have not embraced God's plan for their life and eternity. Because there are so many people who are living who have no idea why they're here. And they may not want to tell you that, but if you really ask them, they'll be clear. They don't know. They're just kind of like existing. We need to intercede for them. We need to pray for them. And also, we need to ask God to help us walk in the resurrection power of Jesus every single day of our lives. Ask him to show us how to do that and to do it well. And I really believe that that's going to be something that's good. So, so far, if you do nothing else but that, I think you will have gotten something out of this series. Now, we cling tightly to this life. We do. But for the followers of Jesus, there is so much more that is still yet to come. Turn with me to John's Gospel, the 14th chapter. John 14. Okay, what am I waiting for? I heard somebody say, wait, wait. Okay. John's Gospel, the 14th chapter, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. And let me know you're there by saying amen. Okay, great. So if we look at it in the New King James Version, and you guys know this, I'm sure, because we hear it quite a lot. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. That's good. Um, I like the easy to read and the message better. I'm just going to read the message to you though tonight. And it says, don't let this throw you. You trust God, don't you? Trust me. There is plenty of room for you in my father's house. If that weren't so, would I have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you? And if I'm on my way to get your room ready, I'll come back and get you. So you can live where I live. And you already know the road I'm taking. So 
it's very, very clear Jesus is letting us know that he definitely has a place prepared for us where he is, and we know that place to be heaven. Turn with me now to 1 Corinthians, and we're going to look at chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 through 44. And... Interesting. Okay. If we look at it in the New King James Version, it says, But someone will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh for men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial one and the glory of the terrestrial one is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Now, we have read this several times. And to me, it sounds nice, it's almost poetic. But to say that everybody gets a true understanding of exactly what's being said here, I think not. So, I'm gonna share it with you. When you get a chance, read it out of the easy to read. I should just do it, I'm just gonna do it. I'm trying to rush, I'm not gonna rush, because I want you to get this. Because you know why? I want you to get it, not just for yourselves, but I want you to get it so that you, in your conversation with other people, are going to be able to share it with clarity, simply because we are now living in a time where non-believers, as well as believers, cannot tell you really, 100% with clarity, what happens when they close their eyes and die. And I don't want you to be stumbling around when you cannot clarify it. So we're just going to take our time and do this. So I'm going to read the easy read. And it says, but someone may ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they have? Now these are stupid questions, some may think. When you plant something, it must die in the ground before it can live and grow. And when you plant something, what you plant does not have the same body that it will have later. What you plant is only a seed, maybe a wheat or something else. But God gives it the body that he has planned for it. And he gives each kind of seed its own body. Now I'm going to pause here. Think about that. Think of a little acorn. You know the little nuts that the squirrels get? You see how that's a little tiny acorn. When it's planted into the ground, what does it produce? Not another acorn. It produces an oak tree. Does the oak 
the acorn? Okay, y'all will read it. Yes, no, does it? Okay, it looks totally different, right? So that's the point that's being made here. And that's what we need to understand. When you go and you take a body that is dead and you put it in the earth, it's like putting or planting that acorn. What it is to become is different than what you put there. That's what this is trying to say. Which the first thing that I read in New King James, you might have gotten that, but I'm not sure, so I want to make sure. So now we're going to pick it back up in verse 39, easy to read. All things made of flesh are not the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds have another, and fish have yet another kind. Also, there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the beauty of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the beauty of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of beauty, the moon has another kind, and the stars have another, and each star is different in its beauty. It will be the same when those who have died are raised to life. The body that is planted in the grave will ruin and decay, but it will be raised to a life that cannot be destroyed. When the body is planted, it is without honor, but when it is raised, it will be great and glorious. When the body is planted, it is weak, but when it is raised, it will be full of power. The body that is planted is a physical body. When it is raised, it will be a spiritual body. There is a physical body, but there is also a spiritual body. When you think about it, we live in this three-dimensional world that we see and we know. But in juxtaposition to it, it is the spiritual realm, which we don't really see, but it is just as important, if not more so, than this three-dimensional realm in which we're living. So this is the point here when you think about it. Yes, when you go to the cemetery with people that you care about and they're put into the ground, it is the shell, it is their body, it is the seed that's being planted. They are not in there. That's why we don't have to be like those who are without hope. But you know, sometimes we hear things and well, if we're doing any memorial, you will never hear us get up and say anything like the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Because, no, we wouldn't do that. But you do still hear people say, okay, well, you know, this person is with the Lord. But there are a lot of Christians who don't understand what that really means. We're just saying it, but we don't have a true understanding of it. Would you agree with that? Okay, that's why we're here, because we're going to get clarity. I don't want you not having a true understanding of exactly what it means. Um, okay, so I'm not going to read the message, but if you have a message Bible and you go home, read those verses in the message, because it's extremely good, because it breaks it down even more so, and it is excellent. Now, let's turn to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. And we're going to read verse 14. And then I'm going to share something else with you. Okay. So 2 Corinthians 4, verse 14. And the New King James says, Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise up with Jesus, raise us up with Jesus, and will present and will be present with us. That, whatever. I'm not... There's certain things 
that just are not crystal clear. So that's why I'll give you a different translation. The easy to read says, God raised the Lord Jesus from death, and we know that he will also raise us with Jesus. God will bring us together with you, and we will stand before him. The message says, we're not keeping this quiet, not on your life. Just like the psalmist who wrote, I believe it, so I said it. We say what we believe. That's a fact, by the way. You do say what you believe, okay? And what we believe is that the one who raised up the master Jesus will just as certainly raise us up with you alive. Every detail works to your advantage and to God's glory. More and more grace, more and more people, more and more praise. Now, you're already in that chapter. Just drop down to verses 16 and 18. And it says, um, I'm just going to skip. I'm going to read it out of the easy to read. And it says, that is why we never give up. Our physical body is becoming older and weaker, but our spirit, but our spirit inside us is made new every day. We have small troubles for a while now, but these troubles are helping us gain an eternal glory. That eternal glory is much greater than our troubles. So we think about what we cannot see, not what we see. What we see lasts only a short time, and what we cannot see will last forever. And the message puts it this way. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see now will last forever. I absolutely love that. So now you're in 2 Corinthians, just flip on over to chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses... 1 through 10. And then, actually, yeah, this will be in this. This is good. Okay. So starting with verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent grown, being burdened, not because we wanted to want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the spirit as a guarantee. We are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, this is what I want you to think about. 
Because if, if you were trying to explain to someone, and this is where we're going to pause, and I want to spend a little time we talk about this. If you had someone come up to you and say, what happens to you, I don't care if they're a believer or non-believer, what happens to you the second after you die? What happens? Can you clearly explain that? Yes. Okay, good. What would you say? Okay. Okay. Now, <clears throat> would you say that with, you're with the Lord immediately and how can you show me that? Where can you show me that that is so? Meaning, because I'm a child. I'm 10. So, a 10-year-old, they don't have the same reasoning as, you know, a 25-year-old. So, it's like, what do you mean? How, I don't understand. Really? I mean, so, if I die right now, my body is here, or my body is going to be in the ground, but where am I going to go? Okay. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. My spirit is going to be with the Lord. What are you going to say? what I was looking for. See, that's what most people think. Okay, you didn't hear her. I know, it's hard. She's so nice and sweet and soft-spoken. Basically, what she's saying is she knows that when she dies, the body goes to the grave, and on the day of resurrection, then she's resurrected. That's what she said, right? I didn't paraphrase it? Okay, and that's what most people believe. So this is why I want to share this with you, because I'm so about this. I really wanted to figure out a way to be able to explain it. So let's go back to 2 Corinthians to exactly what we just read. Okay? 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, and we're just we just need to look at verses 6 and verses 8. So if we look at verse 6, it says, So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For, of course, we already know if we walk by faith, but not by sight. But, verse 8, we are confident, you are blessed, we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Okay, so we get that. Nowhere in what we just read does, they, does it say that there is a time differential from death and being present with the Lord. It doesn't say that you die and then you have to wait a prescribed period of time. Now we already know when the Lord comes back, we don't know when that is. So if I am burying somebody tomorrow, the trump hasn't sounded, so therefore, what does that mean? If, in fact, it says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and the trump hasn't sounded, it means that that person that we took their shell, their seed, and planted it in the ground, their spirit must still be present with the Lord. So we don't have to wait until that day, because that's a whole different transaction that happens. Now, turn with me real quick to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, verses 6 through 8. And 
this I'm going to share with you out of the NIV, New International Version. Okay, 2 Timothy, just bear with me. This is, we're going to get this. 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8. Are you there? Okay, good. And it says, okay, you're not there? Okay, good. So I want you to see it. Okay, so 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8. And this is Paul writing this, by the way. Because Paul, just like many people, there are people who know instinctively when their final days are coming. Because we do have a say-so on that, you know. It's not like we're just blindsided. We do have a say-so as believers. Okay, remember Moses, he chose to pick up his legs and just go to glory. He had a choice in that. So Paul is letting us know as he's writing this that these are his final days that are coming. So this is what he writes. He says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Check this part out. Go back and see exactly what it says. The Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. What day? The day that he departs. Not the day of when the trump sounds, but the day that he leaves. That's when he gets his crown of righteousness. He will, it says specifically, that the Lord will award me on that day. Of course, we're talking about the day that he departs. It seems very clear that Paul's departure is near and that then there will be awarded to him the crown of righteousness on the day that he departs. Okay? So, based upon that, that's a little bit different than him having to wait. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. All right. I'm just, I just want to make sure we're clear. Now what I want you to do, we're going to also look at what Jesus said. We're not going to just sit up and take what Paul said. Turn with me to Luke's Gospel. I'm trying my phone. hope this will work. Luke's Gospel, the 16th chapter. We're going to look at verses 22 through 24. And this is Jesus speaking. Okay, so it's not like we're listening to the Apostle Paul. We're listening to Jesus. Okay? And I'm going to share this out of the NIV. Luke's Gospel, the 16th chapter. Verse 22, and it says, The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades, also known as hell, <laughs> where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Now there is no, some people would like to call it soul sleep or you know, some religions, forms of bondage, will tell you about different compartments, you know, like you die and you go to purgatory or you die and you go over here and over there. No, that's not what this says, okay? When they died, this is what happened. So the point being, 
is if you accept Jesus, you are going to be with him. If you choose not to, you are going to be tormented in hell. The scripture said it, I didn't. And those are the two important things about this. Now, even if you have people, because there are some religions who don't really talk that much about the New Testament, they just stay caught up in the Old Testament. Okay, so we'll go with that. Jesus himself, when he was on the cross, what did he tell the thief? He told the, the thief, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise? Okay, since Jesus was on the cross, it was called paradise. But he said when? Today you will be with me. Anytime Jesus says truly, because in the scripture, because it's actually Luke's gospel, second uh, chapter, I'm giving you the right reference. <laughs> it's Luke. No, it's Luke 23:43. Okay. He starts it out with truly I say to you. And you'll find when you're studying scripture, whenever he says the words truly or surely, either one of those, in any translation, he's trying to put an exclamation point, okay, with what he's saying. He really wants you to get the point. So he's telling the thief that surely he's going to be with him in paradise. Now, when would the thief be in paradise? When? Exactly. It would be to the same day that Jesus went, the very day that Jesus promised the thief would be present with him, the Lord, or in heaven. Because now, once Jesus had passed away, you could say the paradise becomes heaven. But the point being is, we need to understand that. So, you can clearly and very confidently explain to someone when, in fact, they leave this earth realm, the body that we take to the cemetery and, you know, they put the flowers and everybody's standing over there crying and carrying on, that's the seed, that's the acorn that's being planted. And the body that's going to come, that body, of course, when the trump sounds, and I will have to tell you that probably next time because I don't know if I can get to it fast enough. Yeah, no, I'll do it now. First, Thessalonians. Turn with me really quick. We're going to get this done. First Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 13 through 18. And I'm going to share it with you out of. <sighs> I'll do it out of the easy to read. And it says, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about those who have died. We don't want you to be sad like other people, those who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died, but we also believe that he rose again. So we believe that God will raise to life through Jesus any who have died and bring them together with him when he comes. What we tell you now is the Lord's own message. Those of us who are still living when the Lord comes again will join him, but not before those who have already died. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the people who have died and were in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive at that time will be gathered up with those who have died. We will be taken up in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. And we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with 
these words. So the point being is, the cemetery has like the seed, like an acorn. What's going to happen with that particular body when we all receive new ones is gonna be different. Just like the oak tree is different than the acorn. However, the spirit of the person, when they exit this earth, if they're a believer, goes to be directly with the Lord. And I can tell you unequivocally, one of the greatest gifts, and this may sound crazy to people, but I don't care. I'm using it as an example because I want you to learn from it. When my father passed away and I went to the hospital to see him, I was almost elated and, and <laughs> because he'd been ill for a long time, but that, that's not it. I was elated because I sat there and I actually knocked on his forehead like this. I was like, he is so out of here. I mean, this is nothing but a shell for real. It's like I could totally see he was gone. He totally vacated. It was like you going into a person's apartment that is so beautiful and lived in and you go there the next day and it's totally empty. It's like, oh my gosh, where did they go? Well, I knew he had already gone to be with the Lord. So for me, yes, I could take that shell and easily plant it knowing that's all that I'm doing because I know he is rejoicing with the Lord. And that's a confidence that we as believers have and it's something, you see, that's a lead-in where you can share the good news of Jesus with unbelievers just by sharing that because they are unclear because this is not something people talk about and it's not something, you know, we don't really take the time to discuss it yet. you take their dust and let it fly all over the place. I mean, I, you know, I, I haven't done that personally, but I mean, I guess the same would apply in the sense that you're planting that somewhere, I hope. I mean, unless some people just keep it on the mantle and then, you know, I don't know, I guess we'd have to talk to the Lord and see what does he think about that, but I mean, you still burn the flesh, it's still the seed. If they were in Christ, I'm sure when he does the same thing, notice when we talk about the story of Jesus, when he went to raise Lazarus from the dead, he specifically called out Lazarus, come forth. Because if he would have just said come forth, all of the people who had already died would have come forth. So whether you're cremated or in the ground, I'm assuming, and that's an assumption because it doesn't talk about cremation in the scripture. So I can't give you a scriptural answer at this moment about it. I'm sure when he says for the dead to rise, because keep in mind, even when we take, when you commit a body to the ground, you specifically say ashes to ashes, dust to dust, which means whatever seed you planted in that ground is going to turn to ashes, just like the cremated body is going to be ashes. So based upon that, to me, it just makes logical sense that when he is calling for the dead in Christ to rise, that person would also rise. Yes. Okay, I'm saying say that again. before they do anything with them. That's very good. Yes. Oh, oh praise 
Yeah, okay. She's talking about a dream she had. She dreamt that she's been, you know, in heaven. And that, no, that's wonderful. I mean, that's why it's really nice to me when we actually take time and read Revelation and just listen to John's visions. I mean, it's just, you know, I think that that's amazing in of itself. Well, we next time we definitely will look at the video because we will be at that point. I just have a couple other little scriptures to share with you and we will be at the point of the video, which will be good because we have to play it again anyway. So it'll work. It'll definitely. But I hope that that added some clarity so that especially, I mean, you guys are so scholarly. You probably already knew all of this. But if you're going to share it with someone else, did it give you maybe just a little bit of clarity to be able to share it with someone? Okay, good. Well, that was my goal. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 9.45 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.